Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Ville Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. Yo, what's going on, my people? This is Pastor Jay Harris here from The Ville Church. Thank you for tuning in this Sunday morning and pulling up to your living room for our sermon from The Ville. We are happy to have you. Shout out to all my my members and everybody. I love y'all to death. I miss all of y'all. Looking forward to um, hanging out with y'all really, really soon. If you are new here um, with The Ville Church, tuning into the sermon, it's your first time. We are extremely happy to have you, and we welcome you, and I pray that this sermon is a blessing to you this morning. Um, I'm going to jump straight into the text today because I've been known to get long-winded sometimes, and I feel like I have a lot of content, but I'm going to try to move through it quickly, but I want to get straight to it and jump into it. So we are going to be inside of 1 Thessalonians 5. We are going to really be going through verses 1 through 11 is the text that we're going to be in. Um, And so you can turn to that right now, but I'm actually going to hit quite a few scriptures while I'm preaching. Um, And so if you want to get a pen and pad ready, those aren't going to be on the screen. So you can actually write those down if you want to make note of them and come back to this a little bit later on. And so I'm going to start off with one scripture from 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18. And the topic today is going to be thankfulness. And you might be sitting here right now going, okay, preacher, sermon, thankfulness sounds real cliche and all of that good stuff. But like, you're never going to look at the idea and the concept of thankfulness the same, I pray, after we get done going through this text. I'm not talking about the Hallmark card type thankfulness. I'm not talking about, you know, the little sweet whatever type of deal, you know. And I'm one thing I'm definitely not telling you, just right off the bat, as I'm, as I'm, advocating and 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 you know proclaiming the gospel and how it calls us into thankfulness i'm not telling you to ignore the emotions you have in your life when we look at jesus we look at jesus being angry he flipped the table over he was coming at the pharisees calling them out he was you know he wept or whatever so he was not an emotional robot that just put on a plastic smile all the time Um, And so that's not what I'm encouraging you in. I'm talking about a thankfulness that sits in the most dire, um, grievous, ugly circumstances that the world can actually throw at you. Um, So it's different in that sense. And on top of that, I'm talking about a thankfulness that is actually for a particular people, a specific group of people, the children of God, people who are followers of Christ, who have been saved by his mercy and grace. So this isn't just, you know, bump a stick, stick of thankfulness or whatever that you can just slap on any old whip or whatever and roll with. This is something very, very specific. So I pray that you feel that. Right. And so when we think about thankfulness or whatever, you know, when everything's good, it's very easy to be thankful. But if you're like me, when it starts to rain on you a little bit, sometimes it's hard to be thankful, right? It's hard to be joyful. It's hard to see God in the middle of circumstances when you feel like the world is avalanching on you, right? And so we can we can, we can can worship God when it's all good, but like the question remains like, is he still good? Can we, can we, can we be thankful? Can we rejoice when, you know, the boss gives you that, that you're fired, you know what I'm saying, letter, right? What about when the doctor gives you the diagnosis or whatever that you were not looking for and it's scary as I don't know what, right? What about when you end up with the president maybe you don't want, right? These kind of things or whatever. But Or when the sunshine just seems to be shining on everybody else, but it doesn't seem to shine on you. Can you be thankful then, right? 
So I'm asking the questions not because I'm trying to stir you to, um, you know, your piety or your self-righteousness or for you to go, yeah, you know what, as a Christian, I need to work hard on being more thankful. God doesn't need your works, right? We are saved by the work of Jesus Christ. He is the one that did the substitutionary work of being perfect on our behalf. So I'm not challenging you to prove that you can be thankful in the midst of hard circumstances. What I'm doing is posing you with a question that is going to confront the source of your thankfulness. Because like I said, we're talking about a specific kind of thankfulness for a specific people, the children of God, right? So let's jump into this thing right now, right? So we are going to go into, um, I just, my brain just froze for a minute. First Thessalonians, and I'm going to go um, to First Thessalonians 5. And so now we're jumping backwards in the text. So the text we just read in verse 18 tells us, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in, um, in Christ Jesus for you. I don't know if you caught that, but it says in all circumstances. That sounds absolutely crazy to me. I'm like, Lord, I'm rocking with you, but you want me to be thankful in all circumstances. It says in the text, all circumstances. And once again, this is the type of thankfulness that can plop down and eat anything the world throws at you alive. Anything bigger and better than anything is more prevalent. So in the middle of grieving, you can even ooze out thankfulness. And I pray that I'm going to help you with this. So 1 Thessalonians 1, um, let me read this to you. So we talked about this being for uh, a specific type of, uh, of thankfulness for a specific type of people. So verse 1 says this. It says, now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. So just to put this together, we just read that he said, be thankful in all circumstances in verse 18, right? Now we're looking at verse one, going back, we're working backwards, whatever. He starts this off by saying, hey, you know what time it is out here, whatever, right? You know, catastrophes are upon us, right? You have an awareness. He says, he says, like, you don't, you don't really need what I'm writing to you for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. So when I told you he's talking to a specific people, when he talks about being thankful in all circumstances, he's talking about people who have a specific awareness about what God tells us in his word is going on. So in, in verse three, he says, while people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. In other words, people in the world who their rhythm is the current of the world and what it says. And so they say, okay, we have, we, we are achieving, we are, you know, we are going to new heights. We are becoming more enlightened. Um, we are out here getting money and doing our thing or whatever. And man, it, things are changing. I feel safe and I feel secure. It says there's going to be this sudden interruption. Like even like, 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 you know, me, we, me and my wife, we got 10 kids or whatever. You know, there's times we've been chilling, eating Taco Bell or whatever. And she said, yo, baby, I, I think it's about this time. I'm like, right now? What, right while I'm about to get on this, this Mexi Melt? Right in the middle of the Mexi Melt. Okay, we got to go. I'm going to have to get this later. You get where I'm coming from? Suddenly, it's going to happen. And so things may look like on the up and up, 
but they are unaware of the times and the season that they are actually in. But us, as children of God, we have an awareness because God has told us what's going to happen already inside of the scriptures. That the trajectory of these things or whatever is that things are going to get uglier, they're going to get darker. And when they start, even when they start looking like they're getting better, there still is a narrative that says that this whole thing is going to come to the end and Jesus is going to return and there's going to be judgment. So when we talk about being thankful, our thankfulness is plopped down in this is for for us as children of God with an awareness about the long story, about the eternal story that's actually happening in the present on earth and what's what is going to be going forward. Right. So there's this an awareness. So that's what verse three tells us. Right. And then verse four says this it says and it's talking about identity. This is why as children of God, we don't walk around sleep but we'll get to it. it says but you are you are not in the darkness brothers for that day um for that day to surprise you like a thief we so we have an awareness of the truth he says for you are all children of light children of the day we are not of the night or of the darkness so then let us not sleep as others do but let us keep awake and be sober so that particular part right there is not talking about physically being drunk or whatever, which you can impose that in there. Don't be twisted or whatever and stuff, right? Because you don't know whether you're coming or going if you're twisted or whatever, right? But it's talking about being sober concerning the times, concerning God's word, concerning his promises, concerning your identity. Everything that we just read in verses one through five leading up to this, whatever, it's talking about be sober about what's going on. So while everybody else is like maybe um, running around and don't understand and don't know what it is or whatever, you have an awareness. Even if the catastrophe lands directly on your doorstep, even if you were to even lose your life, there is an eternal promises that stands firm from us. So as children of God, we have promises from God. And I'll get to that in a minute, right? So he says, for those who sleep, and this is verse seven, he says, for those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night but since we belong to the day let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love so we believe the scriptures through faith right that is truth right god the holy spirit is compelling us to believe the word of god and so we move forward in faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation so we are looking towards the eternal promise where we will be with god forever i'm gonna go ahead and jump to the scripture i was gonna hit right now whatever because it just seems proper at the moment right it seems proper at the moment so inside of verse um inside of romans 8 35 it says this it says who shall separate us from the love of christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword some them, them, them are some hard circumstances, but it's asking us the question. It says, what is powerful in that the world has that it can do to us, that it can actually separate us from the love of Christ? And then verse 36 says, as it is written, for your sake, we are, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. This is in quotes because this is actually the testimony of believers that this is their, this is their testimony of their circumstance. They're like, God, we out here like sheep. Like they just slaughter us for being one of your children. And even in that circumstance, which I don't know anything about, but there are believers walking the earth right now who proclaim Jesus Christ and are being martyred right now on this earth. 
even for that, in verse 37, it says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And, and how could it say such a thing? Like when I read that or whatever, I'm like, oh, you talking about being killed and being slaughtered, right? And being taken out. Like, how do we end up being conquerors through that? We're conquerors because the end game of this all is that God has sent his son Jesus to save us, that we would be eternally with him. And this is the promise he has for us. The, um, in that eternal place or whatever, right? He says, um, let me get my scriptures right, y'all. I'm getting hype or whatever. In Revelation 21, 4, it says this. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. For the children of God, the former things are going to pass away. And so when I talk about that thankfulness being set right in the middle of the worst case scenario, famine, distress, even in light of death, the promise of God to his children remains for us. The promise in the moment when we experience those things, when we are serving and loving other people, I'll tell you like a lot of times my heaviness in my heart is because of what I hear of circumstances that people are going through that are so horrific. And it puts me in this place where it makes me go, I'm like, God, I can't wait for you to come back and change all of this. Like what it says, um, it says that um, the former things have passed away. I can't wait for these things to pass away. I can't wait, God, to live in, in eternity inside of your world because the stuff that I'm beholding, the stuff that are hitting my ears is so grievous and ugly and evil and wicked. Horrible things happening to decent people, good people. People who are being taken advantage of, mistreated, systems that are unjust. We, watched, we just watched George Floyd, an officer, sit on his neck for nine minutes while people called out and said, yo, he can't breathe, man. Like he's dying and the officer not give a crap about that. This is the world we are in, but God tells us that this is the world we're in. He puts us on game ahead of time. Like, you know, we're naive to it often. And when we see it, we're like, oh my God. But like, he tells us this is what it is. But where we place that grief is in the promise. In the meantime, we can love God with all our heart as he's compelled us through the Holy Spirit and love our neighbor as ourselves. We can perpetuate good works by loving our neighbor and sharing the gospel and saving people for what's to come. But we also, for those grievous days, I find myself just fantasizing about when the Lord comes back. And the fact that when I look at these injustices and I'm like, man, this, this, this world is ugly. But I'm like, God. You see it. I'm not here alone seeing it. You saw it. I was it. I was lost in my sin. I was contributing to it. My handprints are all over the ugly stuff too. And you saved me despite it. So that's where that thankfulness goes too. That, that eternal promise, it's going to pass away. So we can be thankful. Even when it lands on us, it's like, God, no matter how, how this turns out, you have a plan. As Pastor Rodney said last week, our suffering is not for just no reason. Like it has, it, it, it has a purpose. It has a purpose, right? So let me keep reading in, um, in 1 Thessalonians 5. And I, right now, I just took a little rabbit trail or whatever. Um, I am in verse 8. It says, 
But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on our breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And verse nine says, for God has not destined us for wrath. So that's peace. Even in the midst of times and seasons that are terrible. One of the places that we're able to find thankfulness is that we are not destined for the wrath of God. Um, and it says, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God has called you to, right? It says, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another, just build one another up just as you are doing. I'm getting so excited, whatever. I'm like talking over myself. And so that brings us back to verse 16 and 17 in First Thess in, in Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And so we see that this thankfulness in this text, when we go back, is that it's, it's set in the middle of times and seasons and circumstances and that, you know, in the midst of this world where there's going to be famine and distress and catastrophes um, that we hear of from afar and also that land directly on our lap. But because of the ultimate promise and the present that we are children of God, that we are not destined to wrath, but we are actually called as his children to be saved and to enjoy Jesus in the present and that we will be in eternity where all of our tears are wiped away we're able to be thankful even in the midst of it. Um, and then Isaiah 53, three, it gives us testimony to what it was like for Jesus. And so when we think about Jesus and, and the word talks about him being the high priest, in other words, he, he is actually praying and interceding for the children of God, um, even in the present or whatever, right? Because he knows what we have been through. He knows what it is to suffer. Um, the word of God, he, he makes us aware that we are actually called to suffering in the scripture. In John 16, 33, he says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world, right? So God has something so beautiful waiting that he's like, yeah, I know the world is going to throw the, the kitchen sink at you, but I've already overcome it. And what I got waiting for you it's going to make every tear, all the pain, everything or whatever. It's going to swallow it up. It's that beautiful. It's that glorious. It's that royal. You understand what I'm saying? And so Isaiah 53, when it talks about what Jesus went through as he walked on earth, giving us the example of him suffering, right? So sometimes when I got saved, I thought like, okay, I'm a Christian now. Yo, we about to get to the money, Lord. You're going to bless everything that I touch or whatever. Like I literally thought that foolishness or whatever, right? I thought that that's what it was supposed to be. But I missed the scripture where Paul is telling Timothy, who he's discipling, who he calls his son in the faith. He says, yo, Timothy, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Unfortunately, nobody who was leading me at the time tapped me on the shoulder and said, listen, young man. I know you think you're about to get to it and all that. And being a Christian means that everything just works out for you all the time. But that's not what the scripture is telling you when it says all things are going to work out for you good. It means God has a plan despite all of the hard stuff. But you are going to, you are called to share in suffering as a good soldier in Christ. Like Paul told Timothy. That's a part of it, right? And if somebody don't tell you about the walking and your walk with following Jesus, don't tell you that. They're setting you up for some games or whatever. That's all throughout the text. But 
Jesus. What does he shows us? show us? In Isaiah 53, he says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. So Jesus, he wasn't a rock star. Jesus was the one that people threw rocks at. You understand? He was despised. He wasn't, he wasn't rock star Jesus. And people be like, yo, if Jesus was here, he would this and that. Like, yo, our wretched sin, we would spit on him just like they did. That's what was going on or whatever. That's what it was for Jesus walking through life, was enduring the sorrows and know he was the truth. He was rejected by men. He was rejected by us, right? He was treated as if he was nothing. So it brings us back to this, right? It's like, how can we say be thankful when we're going through a living hell, right? That's where a lot of people land at in these questions around thankfulness. How, how am I supposed to do that when I'm going through this mess or whatever? And one of the things I would tell you is this right here is that you're, you're, you're actually not going through a living hell. You're going through some really bad circumstances. You're going through a really grievous time. Something really ugly might have happened to you. And that's terrible. But it's not hell. It's not hell. Because we don't want no parts of that. But it's not hell. Because hell and damnation and judgment is what God actually sent Jesus to us to save us from. Right? So I just want to read something to you right here. Whatever. In John 3.16. And this is, you know, we've heard this verse a million times. But I want to read on afterwards. So you, get, so you, get, you really get it. Um, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Verse 19 says this, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people who love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that, they have, that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. So when we talk about thankfulness, like, how can you actually be thankful when you're going through such dramatic, traumatizing hell? How can you ink out any, how can you bring forth or ooze out any thankfulness in the midst of that? It's because ultimately, eternally, God has sent his son, Jesus, to save you from real hell. From real hell. He didn't come to condemn us. We already were condemned in our sin. So it's not like, oh, we were good, we messed up, and he came to get us back on track. We've been off track. And he comes as the answer. That's why we call the gospel. If the gospel in translation means good news. And it's good news because our circumstance that we find ourselves in before we find the good news is that it's bad news. That we have all sinned and fell short of the glory of God. And that God, being righteous, is going to judge us for our actions. And so he responds to that on our behalf by sending Jesus to die on the cross. To live a perfect life. 
So not, hey, you better act right and get it together or you're going to be guilty of judgment. The Bible says that it's impossible for us to please him, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. So like if you think that you're like, yo, I try to be good, you know what I'm saying, good hearted, treat people with respect and love, that's not going to get you anywhere with God. Our blindness and our self-righteousness or whatever is to sabotage. It's going to sabotage us all day. So what he does is he sends Jesus, who lives a perfect life, is innocent, but gives his life and dies on the cross. And God looks at his death and he goes, this is sufficient. Your blood is sufficient to cover all the sins of the world. All of those who will believe and follow after me. I will grant them. I will grant them holiness righteousness it says that he 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 separates our sin where they, they, they they're nothing and we're like god i'm still a mess right now i'm telling you i'm still a mess right now i'm not who i was before but my god i'm still a mess right but the word says that he he's so good and loves us so much it says his mercy is made new every single morning i'm saying that to you out there who feel condemned and feel like you just messed up too bad maybe you ran from god for a while and you just like i feel like i've just like close the door like i just don't feel god anymore and i don't even think he wants me and he has to be disgusted with me or whatever granted your sin may actually be disgusting but your disgustedness can't outdo god's mercy and love for you right it can't outdo it let me let me put you on something real quick let me put you on on something real quick right i want to read this text for you this is romans 5 6 so beautiful it's so beautiful he says this, he says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us while we were like, he didn't die to save the good folks. He didn't die to save the people who were, you know, just trying to get their stuff together, need a little help. He died for the ungodly people who were actually enemies of God, perpetuators of evil, me, you, your mama, and your grandma too, right? People who were the outcasts. I had to say it, it just, anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so it says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more than shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice, which is giving thanks, in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we who were once enemies of God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that was perpetuated by God, we are now back into relationship with God the Father. And he does that while you're enemy. So if the enemy is in your ear whispering like you done done too much and you're outside of God's good graces, he's lying. Read Romans 8. In the first part of Romans 8, and Romans 8 talks about, it says that the Spirit leads us in truth. And it tells us, it makes us cry, Abba, Father. And what that means is it's saying that it makes us believe the truth that God saves us despite our sin. And that we are not orphans trying to earn our way into the family. If we're good enough, then they'll let us stay for the night. It's not saying that. It's saying that you are a child of God. I don't care if you sinned this morning. I don't care if you sinned an hour ago, five minutes ago, a second ago. The blood of Jesus 
is sufficient to cover that sin and his mercy is made new every day. And some of y'all are like, my mind is a mess and I just feel like I'm at war. That's what the salvation does. It brings you into the war of the Holy Spirit against your flesh. Because if the Holy Spirit wasn't moving and grooving inside of you, you wouldn't even care about what you do. You wouldn't even care. You sin freely and do what you do because that's just the that's that that's the that's the gear that 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 our, that our clutch is set on, right? That's that's where we at. But God has brought you into the war. Paul says he says, "Wretched man that I am." Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, is proclaiming in the Scriptures. He says, "Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this this grievous sinful flesh?" Right? And he says. But Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ. So don't don't fall for the okie doke. Don't let Satan Satan you and whisper in your ear saying you're too dirty, you're too foul, you're too filthy, whatever this and that. That is your first indicator that the enemy is in your ear because the Holy Spirit is always saying God loves you. Yeah, you messed up, but you can't mess up enough. God loves you. Go after the Father. Grab for the Father. Hold on to the Father. Get in His Word. It compels you to do that, not to earn your place with God, but it draws you by His love. You understand what I'm saying? And so, to round this up for us, right? Thankfulness that I speak of. This thankfulness that we give to God in all circumstances. It's for specific people. It's not generalized to everybody because everybody don't have the promises of God. Everybody's not a child of God. Um, and so they can't even reconcile what this thankfulness is because this thankfulness is, is out of this world, right? It's not based on whether things go our way. And not, it's not based on whether we have a horror story because a horror story on this earth can't eat us alive. Distress, famine, affliction, it can't eat us alive it can kill the body but it can't take the soul the soul is reserved forever for eternity to be in bliss with the king of kings lord of lords creator of the world and the universe and you may be like yo is jay crazy like he acts like he really believes this stuff i don't believe this stuff because i'm just on it like that god saved me i spent half of my life throwing my middle finger to god and i felt him coming after me and still shook him off like i ain't want him Every time, yo, God, I'm about to go get high right now. I don't got time for all that. I hear you calling, but I got to get the ball. You understand what I'm saying? So I don't even understand why by his grace he would save me. I don't get it because I, I thoroughly rejected him. But he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And by his mercy and grace, he saved a scumbag like me. And I don't know where you are at. But like if you are listening right now and you feel like God is like talking to you and speaking to you and you probably got all this stuff in your ear that you've heard from other people and everything else, whatever. I'm telling you, kill the noise and follow the voice of God, because if it's God talking to you, he's saying, I love you and I'm your father. And I don't care what you did last summer or what you did last night or what you did or whatever. My blood is sufficient and my son Jesus died to cover your sins. He is calling you into his marvelous light. So respond. We serve a God that saves us despite our iniquity and gives us a thankfulness that stands despite our circumstances. So that's why we can praise and worship and give thanks even in the midst of hellish situations. 
as children of God, our thankfulness is rooted in the work of Jesus Christ. So I pray that you are encouraged. I pray that you are edified this morning. I pray that this puts a battery in your back and grows you in your esteem and your love and your affection for God. And I pray also that that spills out into you loving your neighbor as yourself, esteeming others higher than yourself. I pray that the fruit that comes from you believing the gospel, believing that you are a child of God, plays out and you just lavishing people with the same love and mercy you've been given. And so I love you. That's my sermon for this morning. Bill Church, y'all a bomb, man. Y'all really are for real. Y'all some dope people. Thank God for you. Everybody who joined in today that, you know, is uh, this is your first time. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. If you know anybody who needs this message, please share it with somebody for real um, and uh, encourage them to listen to it as well. So I pray that this is good news to people and that it goes further than we ever can imagine. So I love you. Bill Church, Pastor Jay Harris. Peace. Easy.